Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we lift our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? It doesn't come from the hills. It comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves in your presence this morning, acknowledging our full dependence upon you. We're reminded, Lord, as we see the devastation of the storms over the weekend, that we are truly, utterly, and fully dependent upon you for all things. We thank you for the reminder of your greatness, and Lord, how you promise to not always remove the obstacles in life, but you promise to give us the strength to get through whatever comes our way. And so we pray for that strength that all those who have been affected by those storms will need. And Lord, as we think about the storms in our own lives, Lord, we just ask for your continue abiding daily strength. Lord, as we prepare to receive your word today, word that was truth when it was spoken, word that is truth today, and word that will be truth forevermore. Would you calm our hearts? Would you use the inspiration of the music we've just sung to you, the preparation that Cami has put in to this message, and speak to us exactly what it is you want us to hear this morning. We pray for our Advent service tonight, for the opportunity to gather and prepare our hearts to receive the light of the world. So Lord, we ask these things and whatever else you see that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. So our scripture reading for today is from Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24 laying up treasures in heaven. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the reading of his word. Good morning. It's good to see you. I love to be here with y'all every week, and it's the same for you online. We are overjoyed uh, to be able to gather as God's people. Amen. So our prayer is that no matter who you are or where you are, that you hear directly from the living God today. I don't care if you know or remember what I say or think. We long for you to hear from God. And the primary way that he speaks is through his word. And that is why we are committed to preaching 
week after week directly from it. We're convinced that truth is found in the words, the works, and the person of Jesus Christ. Today, believe it or not, is week number 18 in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And we could spend all year on it and never mind all of its treasures. Do you see what I did there? David just read our scripture from a couple, or a couple minutes ago, and the very beginning of which, it talks about treasures in heaven. And that's what we began to talk about last week. And as we did, we learned that we have three choices to make every single day. It's hard not uh, to understand, right, that we have choices to make and that all those choices that we make are necessarily going to set the course, and the conditions of our lives. So first, we have to choose between laying up treasures here on earth or treasures in heaven. And we considered how easily we can make idols out of any of the gifts God gives us. Second, we have to choose where we'll set our eyes or our focus, on covetousness and greed or on generosity. And this morning, we're going to look at the third choice, We must choose between two masters, our stuff or God, our stuff, ourselves, or God. Those are the choices because we cannot serve both. So those three choices, though they're distinct, they're very closely related and really they almost build on one another. If you heard the message from last week, you know I spent considerably more time on the first choice than I did on the second. Well, why? Because I believe that we've got to see and recognize that what we choose to treasure most is necessarily going to direct the other two choices. So think about it with me. If I choose to treasure my bank accounts and my monetary investments here on earth more than anything else in life, that is where my heart is going to be all tied up. That's exactly what Jesus said, where your treasure is there your heart will be also. And that necessarily leads to the next thing. Biblically, setting your heart on something was the same as fixing your eyes there. So if my heart is set on the treasure of my bank accounts and my investments, then I'm going to be checking the Dow Jones the minute it opens up at 9 a.m., I'm going to be looking at interest rates. I'm going to be logging into my online banking app every day, maybe more than once a day, to make sure that every single penny is accounted for. I'm going to be greedy and annoyed at what I deem to be frivolous spending. I'm going to constantly be trying to get better paying jobs, possibly even willing to cut some corners to get them. I'm going to covet the things that other people have that I want. Why? Because my heart is set. My eyes are fixed on my earthly treasure, sometimes to the exclusion of anything or anyone else. We've seen this before in others, in us. What we treasure most, and it doesn't have to be money, but whatever we treasure most becomes the all-consuming focus of our hearts and our lives. And even though we've already affirmed that our worldly treasures can be anything, even good things, this morning we're going to use the example of money because that's the example that Jesus used. And that was no accident. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. And that's pretty telling. Jesus knew that money presents powerful 
temptations that few can resist. So let's follow the logic in these verses. If money is your treasure, and so that is where your heart is, and that is where your eyes are fixed, the only logical conclusion is that wealth is going to drive your life. In the words of the text, it's going to master you. What happens then when God says, I'd like for you to give some or more or all of that there to that need, to that church, for me, for my kingdom? Well, I'll tell you what happens. We come face to face with our idol. All out war breaks out right here in our hearts. Because no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Why is that? The scriptures affirm from Genesis to Revelation that that is how we were created. It is by design. Adam and Eve literally had it all. They were living in paradise. And you know what God gave them there? A choice. Because he loved them. Without a choice, there can be no genuine love. And so out of love, God let them choose. They could either love and treasure him as their creator or they can love and treasure the creation. They could either choose to love and treasure the giver or the gifts, but they couldn't do both. And their choice to forsake him as their sovereign king and ultimate treasure brought nothing but death and darkness and devastation to them all the way down to us today. No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now some of you may be thinking, come on. I mean, that seems so extreme. I don't have to hate my money or despise my treasures. I've got more than enough room in my heart to love my stuff and God. What is the big deal? Well, that's what Adam and Eve thought as well. I mean, there are some that just flat out disagree with Jesus on this point. To them, it just seems like such a stark and unnecessary choice. And most who disagree with Jesus here do so because they're convinced that even though Jesus says you can't, they believe they're serving two different masters pretty darn well. Thank you very much. But we just can't. Because whatever we treasure most makes a totalitarian demand on us. We know that worldly treasures do this. They consume us. They affect our mood, our behavior, our choices, our relationships. Dow Jones is up. We're up. Loving life. Stock market crashes. We crash. And everybody around us suffers because we're devastated. 
right? We're eaten up by anxiety and consumed with what we have got to do to make up for our losses. Worldly treasures demand our entire devotion, but so does God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. God wants our hearts and our lives to be utterly consumed with love for him. So much so that it affects our mood, our behavior, our choices, our relationships, everything. He demands our entire devotion. But the choice is ours. God or self. The creator or creation. The giver or the gifts. It's one or the other. We cannot choose both. The harsh language of hating and despising in these verses is very deliberate. Just like Jesus does at other times in this sermon as well as throughout his ministry, Jesus uses extreme language to emphasize the gravity of what he's saying. An example that might help us shed some light on what Jesus is saying here is when he said, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. I can remember as a kid thinking, what? Uh, you, I have to hate my mom and dad to be a disciple of Jesus? I mean, that just, that doesn't make any sense. Well, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He is not teaching here an emotional hatred or despising of ourselves or our parents or anyone else. His point is that to be his disciple, self-denial and absolute surrender is required. It cannot be any other way. In other words, in comparison with our attitude and love for God, our love for anything and anyone else seems like hatred. That's how much we are to love our God. Christ demands my whole heart, all my devotion, my undivided allegiance, because no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Compromise is completely impossible. So we talked last week about how our hearts are idle factories. They were designed to be mastered. We were made to be captivated by glory, by treasure, by beauty, by power, but not the glory and treasure and beauty and power of created things, but the glory and treasure and beauty and power of the creator. We are made to be mastered by the giver and not the gifts. They are here today and gone tomorrow. We were designed for abundant life, 
but life that is only possible when we treasure and set our hearts on the one and live for the one who made our very lives possible to begin with. There was once a man who was very, very wealthy beyond what any of us have likely ever seen or known. And he actually got to meet Jesus in the flesh. Have you ever thought about that? I would love that. Have you thought about what you might ask him if today he came before him? I mean, you could hear his voice, you could see his face, and you could ask him whatever you want. That's what this guy had the opportunity to do. And he asked him the question that hounded him most. What must I do to have eternal life? In other words, he knew one day his life was going to end. He was going to die. And so he wanted to make sure he had all his ducks in a row. And really, from the outside looking in, he really seemed to have his life together. Right? He honored his mother and father. He hadn't murdered anyone. He hadn't committed adultery. Is this sounding familiar? Right? He was checking all the boxes. He wasn't a thief. He was honest. I mean, he was a good guy. And the scripture says that Jesus loved him. And because he loved him, this is what he said. He said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. In that moment, because he loved him, Jesus exposed what that rich man treasured most, what was mastering him. Jesus loved him enough to essentially say, you've got to choose. You can either love and serve your money and your stuff, or you can love and serve me, but you cannot do both. And we don't know ultimately what he chose. And I think that's deliberate. Because it's meant to expose that every single one of us has the same decision to make. Is there really any comparison? I mean, why would we want to be mastered by things that are passing away? Why would we not want to wholly trust and serve the one who gave us life and gives us everything we need to sustain it? Why would we want to serve the one who will then reward us with treasure in heaven that will never perish, spoil, or fade? It just doesn't make any sense why we would choose to serve, to love anything or anyone else most. And that's exactly what Jesus talks about, really, in verses 25 through 34, and that's what David is going to preach on next week. But as I was preparing, I was reminded of this, the quote that he shared a couple weeks ago by C.S. Lewis. It says, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. 
We are far too easily pleased. So before I pray, I definitely want to spend some time talking about how we can apply all of this to our lives. The first thing we've got to remember is money is not bad. It's not wrong to have it. What Jesus is warning against here is allowing it to master us. But how do you know? Right? How do you know if money is an idol in your life? Well, one of the first things you can do is simply look at your spending. Where does most of it go? Do you tithe? And if this is a touchy subject for you, if you're starting to get a little hot under the collar, that might mean that you have a heart problem when it comes to money. It's ironic, really, because everything we have comes from God. Everything. He doesn't need anything from us. Scripture calls us to worship by tithing our first and our best, 10%, essentially giving back to God some of what he's already given to us. But man, do we balk at this. You know, we, we typically don't have any problem making some pretty massive house payments or car payments, going on vacations, but give a portion back to God of what he's given to us. Oh, man, I have a hard time there. We know God's good. We know that he's wise, but we struggle to trust him here. We know he doesn't need our money, and he could certainly sustain his church any other way, but he chooses tithing. And so you put all of that together, and I'm convinced that it shows us that it's not that God or the church needs our tithes as much as you and I need it. There must be something in it for us. Or God wouldn't have designed it that way. He does everything for our good. And so tithing is good for us. Just like fasting, we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's a way for us to set aside part of the gifts that we receive from God in order to focus our hearts on the giver. Tithing and giving is an act of worship that helps us guard our hearts from making an idol out of money. Giving helps us exercise our muscles of faith and trust so that we can be wholly devoted to God, mastered by him. Tithing and giving should simply be a result of how overwhelmed and grateful we are for all that God has done and all that he has given to us. So in God's perfect wisdom, though I will confess at times I have questioned it, I'm just being real, but in God's perfect wisdom for our lives, Jody and I spent the first 20 or so years of our marriage together making very little money. Like, I'm talking lean. But together, uh, early on, we decided that we could not afford to not tithe. Because by God's grace, we learned that tithing isn't about how much you do or don't have. It's about where your treasure lies. It's about how much you love and trust Jesus. It's about whether or not you believe that he really is faithful and that he really will provide for every need. I can remember, these were back in the days when I wrote checks. I don't do that anymore, but I can remember that was a physical act of faith. I would write the check, and I'm weird. I would talk out loud, and I would be like, Lord, 
I don't know how you're going to do this. I knew there were bills on the way coming that we did not have money to pay. You're going to have to figure that one out, Lord. I don't know. But we, we trusted him. And I can tell you every single time God provided. We didn't always have all we wanted. That's for sure. But we had everything we needed all the time. And when we saw God's faithfulness in those ways, our faith skyrocketed. Our trust skyrocketed. And it only became more and more of a joy. Almost like a, a gift to be able to, to do it. Because, man, we got to see God do things that I don't know as we ever would have seen any other way. God has been outrageously generous and faithful to us. How could we not, out of the overflow of our gratitude, be generous back so you've seen this slide a couple times if you've been here with us over the past few weeks. Um, and 2022, is that, oh yeah, there it is. Uh, we're really going to start pushing uh, out together and moving on two main areas of ministry. That's not all we're going to do, but student ministry, which includes our babies all the way up to our high school seniors, and local missions are the two efforts that we're going to push on the most. And so those 12 pillars along the bottom uh, of, the, of the screen are the ways that we are encouraging all of you to engage in that two-pronged effort. And so we want every single person here, here or online, to just pray and ask God's direction for which pillars to focus on in the coming year. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how some of you may really be drawn to grow in pillar number three, prayer. And so perhaps you decide to gather weekly with a few others who also want to grow in that pillar, and you want to engage the gift of prayer, but when you gather, you pray specifically for the student ministry efforts here in Beaver County. Maybe you prayer walk in your communities. Maybe you organize a bigger prayer event for several churches to join in. There are lots of different expressions how that might be done, but whatever those are, we want to get behind you and help you do them. But perhaps you want to grow in pillar number nine serving others. And so you maybe contact Jen Miller down at the center or Mandy Baker at the Hope House and see if there's anything you can do to help out behind the scenes. Or you want to offer to serve at some of the student ministry events that might happen throughout the year. Or maybe you're drawn to, God's really kind of pulling on your heart, uh, to pillar number 10, the being charitable, giving, being generous. God may be stirring in you a desire to grow in gratitude. And the many ways that you can express that gratitude, there are so many. You know, when gener generosity wells up in your hearts, it takes a lot of different forms. And there are some of you in this room who are totally living out this pillar. And it's been such an encouragement to me to see. You love to fill someone's pantry with groceries. You offer to spend your time running errands for people who may be particularly overwhelmed. You offer your home to someone who needs a place to stay. Maybe you open your family to foster children. I could go on and on. But, uh, you know, if you believe that God is stirring in you and wanting to grow you in this area, then we want to link you up with other people who are also being led the same way so that together you can take your next steps toward Christ as you seek to grow in generosity. We're about to round the corner, as you all know, into a new year. And we very much want to encourage and invite all of you, uh, and we're doing the same thing, staff and elders, to give serious thought and prayer 
to not only your year-end giving, um, and, and all of that will go toward our Let's Go efforts in 2022, but we also want you to pray and think about your regular tithing and giving and what that'll look like next year. How might God be inviting you to grow your faith and be part of kingdom ministry here in Beaver County by increasing your giving in 2022? So you may have noticed that here at Four Mile, we don't pass a plate on Sunday mornings. We believe that our tithing and our giving is an act of worship that spring out of the overflow of thanksgiving in our hearts for all that God has done for and given to us, and that it's between you and the Lord. And so instead of passing the plate, we actually have several options for giving, and I want to lay them out for you. So options, oh yes, I just want to, that's good. That's, y'all are awesome up there. So options number one and two are very much the same. The only difference being if you'd like to do it via the website or our app. But either way, you can choose to give by ACH, is that, yeah, which is the, the automatic bank withdrawal, or by using your debit or credit card. So hear me, we want to encourage you as strongly as we possibly can to give by automatic bank withdrawal, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you a scenario to help you wrap your minds around it. That's what always helps me. So um, let's say that you decide to set up a monthly withdrawal from your bank account and you want to give your first fruits, you know, before you pay any other bills, you want to give to God what is God's. And so you, you I mean, you could give up to half your paycheck. Um, but, it, but it would only cost the church 25 cents when you did that, right? And so if you, if you set that up every month, so once a month it does that, you could give as much money as you want and it would cost the church $3 for the entire year to process your giving. That's not too bad, right? Or you could choose to give via debit or credit card. And, um, but every time you give, uh, it, it, we, we're charged 3 to 5%. So let's say we'll be conservative, 3%. Let's say you give $100 to the church, and um, that means that we get charged $3 for that one gift. And then you give $100 again, and we get charged $3, $100 again. You, know, you follow me? So that's way more ex expensive. We want to be good stewards. We want all of our resources to go toward kingdom plans and purposes as opposed to bank fees. And so um, we'll help you set all of that up. It's really pretty easy. I, I guarantee it is safe. It is secure. So you don't have to worry about that. And that's really, so ACH is what we're encouraging you all to do. That being said, option number three is still there. If you would still like to give by, um, you know, writing a check, we can get envelopes for you. You let us know and, and you'll have those in order to give your tithes and your offerings that way. Um, so... Speaking of being good stewards, we want you to be confident of that with regard to our budget. So we are committed to being faithful and discerning about what we do with the resources and the gifts that God's given us, which is why we are fully transparent here in our church. You all need to know, you have a right to know, you should want to know where every single dollar goes. And so we definitely want to encourage you to come to our, our worship service on January 2nd where we'll lay out um, all of this and more at our morning service with a yummy brunch to follow. Um, and at any time throughout the year, I want you to know, you can even come over to the office. You can say, can I see the books? Here you go. You can look. Know that. Hold us accountable. We want to be faithful to the Lord with every single thing he gives us. So that was a lot. I know. We're going to sing in just a minute. But before we do, let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we honor and we praise you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for coming into our world and for showing us the way to life everlasting. Thank you for teaching us in this sermon. Thank you for your perfect wisdom. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gift of faith. Thank you for your power and your grace that is at work in us, sanctifying us and helping us to walk more and more in obedience and faith and trust. This morning, Lord, we pray that you would help us every day to turn our eyes upon Jesus and away from lesser things. You are such a generous God. You are the source of everything good. So center our hearts, Lord, on the priceless treasure you are. Lord, we often say that you're enough, but we acknowledge that sometimes we struggle to believe it and to live that way. So Lord, please change our hearts, increase our faith. And specifically, Lord, as we consider our treasures and as we pray about our giving, we recognize that our way with money is a sure sign of our heart's trust. And we want our hearts to be fully yours. So remind us of how rich we are because of Jesus and free up in all of us generous hearts for others. We want to live our lives in undivided devotion to you but we desperately need your help and your power to do that. So help us to identify the idols in our hearts in order that we might lay them down to worship and love you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.